growing up, I was a tremendous fan of television. And there are a great number of TV theme songs that I adore, you know, from my deep childhood, right? When I was actually like a little kid, Hawaii Five-0, mm-hmm. Love Boat, Fantasy Island. And there are so many. I mean, if you want to go way back to bear when I can barely remember, Mannix. Streets, oh, yeah. of, Streets of San Francisco. Yep. I mean, like, these shows... Okay, look, I'm not 125 years That's old. That's true. Right? But, I mean, there are so many of them that were so great, but for whatever reason, that one I did not see when it was actually airing, but I saw it a lot in syndication. And I think about it even more than The Ventures doing Hawaii Five-0, which might be the single greatest TV theme song of all time. That one right there is the one that pops into my head as an earworm more than any other. The theme sh- song from I Dream of Genie, just ba-dum, ba-dum, all the time like so fit the era and the time but but i mean for like no reason like and i buy records that are filled with that kind of music but there's no reason like the show was okay barbara eden was fine it was the premise is about as ridiculous as it gets like an astronaut crash lands near an island finds the bottle genie comes home and now they have to keep it a secret and the same the guy what's his name bill something his best buddy was like trying to keep it a secret, but real nervous and quiet. Oh yeah. He also ended up being Bob Newhart's best friend on the Bob Newhart <gasps> oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly that, what you're talking. I same, love Bob same Newhart. Same guy. I, I can't remember. Also, an exceptional theme song, by the way. Oh, yeah. The Bob Newhart show. Oh, I love it. Anyway, that's how we're starting episode 233: is walking in the park, dancing after dark, and reminiscing. Episode 233 of the Brian Oak Show with the I Dream of Genie pa- uh, theme theme cast. Here we are in the um. The studio, the, what's it called? Smart Start MN Studio. Smart Start MN, what sort of thing is that? Well, it's a doohickey that you put in your car when you have a, a dewey. Oh, so, a thingamajob. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You blow into the thingamajob and that makes the car drive. Well, you and the thingamajob make the car drive. So I can't just drive the car by blowing into the thing. I think they could probably figure something out. Okay, but... not yet. But right now, all it does is allow you to turn the ignition and have the car yes. go on. If you fuck up and you have a DUI, which is a bummer, but it happens to a lot of people all the time. So no shame there. And they're not going to shame you. They're trying to get you back on the road. They worked with the state to help develop the state's first ever ignition interlock system. And they still do it to this day. And they're the best at it. Certainly other people, vipers, have come in to try to move in on their territory. But that's Parasites. the way the world Exactly. Thank you very much. Parasites. Um, Smart Start MN, they are the originators of Minnesota, and they're good people. And they've been supporting this podcast since the day it went live, actually before it ever went live, which is still weird for me to think about. I wonder what they're up to. What's their Hmm. end game? Is this a hmm. long con? Are we just some kind of crazy tax write-off for them? <laughs> I hope so, because then <laughs> it's be a win-win. That'd be kind of sweet. <laughs> then it's a win-win. I well, re- all advertising is right. Yeah, is well, right. I, I certainly hope so. But my thanks to them, my thanks to everyone who's ever contacted them. And what if people want to know the best way to get involved or find out more, but also if they need Smart Start MN to get a discount on the installation of the ignition interlock? Yeah, only for people that want to save money. So you go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll save you 20% off. Uh, that'll save you 20%, yeah, off the ignition interlock installation. You and I have both had, uh, before we get to today's guest, you and I have both had an interesting 24 to 48 hours. Yes. I'm going to get mine out of the way quick because it's boring and it's standard and something we've all dealt with. My furnace died, right? And thank God mm. we're going through a mild stretch of weather in this late Minnesota winter. If this had happened when it was 12 below on the overnight, uh, I'd be sleeping in your living room. Would I be? Would you think I'd answer the door? Dun, 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 dun. If it was 12 below, I'd answer the Doesn't door. Doesn't matter. I, I'd bring an axe. I'm you coming would? in. I'm coming in. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to... Like the I'm, shining? Like that kind of... No. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just oh. need somewhere to lay down that's vaguely warm. Luckily, it's mild right now, but I've been trying to get my furnace fixed for 48 hours, and it's not happening. And I am working on it, but apparently supply chain issues. Sean, have you heard about the supply chain? Oh, it's, there's a lot of issues with the supply chain. What do you think about the blockchain? 
Oh, the blockchain, I you know, for me, that's getting better. You big I, crypto guy? Oh, love the crypto. Yeah, because crypto is going through the floor right now. So I just found out that my daughter's buying crypto. Of I'm course like, what? she is, because everyone from millennials to Gen Z or whatever this latest generation is, they're all like, this is how I'm going to get rich without having to do a goddamn thing. And what's going to happen to the likes of you and me is we're going to someday walk up with cash to someplace and they're going to go, what? Right. I can't use that. That's They're worthless. Like, this has no blockchain oh, attachment. Paper money? Oh. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody, gather around. Someone's about to buy something with Look actual paper dollars. 20 on it. In any event, uh, working on getting that fixed. Luckily, it's been mild, so I'm not too bad. But you, you stayed up last night until 3.45 in the morning. Now... I used to do that on the regular because I like to get loaded and I love to tell people how the world worked on the internet. Oh man, did I love that. Luckily at some point I got older, had to start getting up early, stopped doing that, and also then quit drinking at some point. So now if I'm not in bed by 8 o'clock, then I'm cranky. But you stayed up until 3.45 last night because your son is on the cusp of something really cool for the next few years of his life. Yeah, it's... uh the coolest thing about it right now is just that he's on a team uh, at Augsburg for baseball that's just really good guys. And so he's loving it. Um, but they get, they played a doubleheader last night after the Gopher game. It started at 9.30 for the first game. That one ended at 12.30. The Oof. second game ended about 3.45. So, I mean, um, you, where were you at? What, what was the venue? It was at U.S. Bank Stadium. So you so, were at U.S. Bank Stadium yeah. until after 3 a.m. last night. It was really weird at some point. I mean, was, like, when you walk outside at 3 a.m., I don't even feel scared downtown, even if I'm was by nobody. myself. No, you're right. Yeah, there no, were, there because, was... you know, even even criminals are the people who are trying to take advantage of you are like, fuck you, it's 3 a.m. I was going to rob you, but I got a thing Even I got, so. I, well, I got to sleep, man. I mean, <laughs> I, got a, I got a day job I'm and no I'm a robber. I'm no good without my eight. Exa- I got to get my eight hours. And that's no joke right <laughs> yeah. there, so... Um, so you went out and I know that your son as a freshman is not going to see a ton of playing time, but it's still, it's it's exciting. He plays for a university. He's there on a scholarship, right? Yeah. It was fun to watch him uh, warm up and do it. And this is his dream. It's not ours. I mean, I said, Hey, I'd love it if you played high school baseball. And I don't believe you. No, it really is. It's his dream to play college baseball. And, and I also said to him, you're a freshman coming off two years of a pandemic where there's seniors and juniors who did not get to play. In fact, two years ago, their whole season was canceled. So I said, it's going to be tough. But he's doing the work. He's doing the extra work. And hopefully, as you said to me outside today, it's hard to not feel like a grandparent saying this, but those sorts of values and that work ethic, that's really going to get him someplace. It someday. matters, man. It, it does. still it does. matters, it man. Does. I mean, like, people have told me over my over the course of my career, man, you've been so lucky. I'm like, well, the luckiest people I know yes. are also the hardest working yes. people I know. Like, You may get an opportunity here or there, but if you don't then devote everything that is you to the things that matter to you, then fuck luck. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It, 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 it's valueless unless you put work on top of it. So I'm glad your son is doing well. Yeah. I wish him well in the future. Also, uh, the last thing before we get to a song and then our guest, Jenny Dodds, um, bullshit, because I work with you and I know how you crack the whip and I can't imagine what sort of torture you've unfolded <laughs> on that poor young man to make him do this. And if he doesn't succeed, I'm afraid for what his future might look like. All I've said to him along the way is if you're struggling, what are you going to do about it? That's all I've done as a dad. You little bitch. You little dirty, dirty bitch. Wow. (laughs) I I would never do that. But I just go, dude, if you're slumping, what do you do about it? He's like, "Ah, I guess I need to go to the cage. And and then he goes and does it. That's a cool thing about him. He's, He's always been that kid that we... He's never fought us on a whole lot. It's like, hey, it's your turn to do the dishes. Uh, okay. And just goes in and does them. I'm See, like, what? I, I wish I had found that earlier. I did find it later in life. Yeah. That like, okay, if you want to succeed, if you want to rise above the noise and the rabble, you actually have to put the work in. There's literally not another way to do it. And it's no guarantee of success by any stretch no. of the imagination. But it's the only way you're going to put yourself in the running to be considered among the better the the people who might achieve at that thing and so you got to find the thing you love so i'm actually mm-hmm. very happy for Thank your son you. and i'm happy for you it was cool to see you. him on the field there of nothing else he was warming up and uh, up until he just looked so freaking happy 345 i was so i went from being exhausted to just really 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 exhausted to the point where like am i okay to drive home yeah no i was so completely tired. sober right and there was no food or beverage 
after the Gopher game. Cool. Nice that they mentioned that. Cool, cool. Oh, my gosh. Bring your own peanuts in a small oh, bag. My, oh, those weren't allowed. We can't bring out outside food Wait, and beverage. So you can't bring outside food, but mm-hmm. there's no internal food. No. No. Well, that sounds like that's going to be a fun next four years for you. It is the Brian Oak Show, episode Ooh. 233. Our guest today is Ginny Dawes, a local musician and person about town who I'm very much looking forward to talking to. Before we do, though, yesterday morning when I first woke up, I get up every day a little after 4 a.m., and someone shared this incredibly nostalgic picture of Jane Wheatland and Belinda Carlisle mm-hmm. of the Go-Go's, oh, right? Yeah. And they're they're babies. They're just little people. They're in there like, I don't know, somewhere between 19 and 23, and they're playing in some filthy furnace-looking basement of some god-awful thing, and they also look like it might be the best rock show that ever happened in the history of Los Angeles, and it blew my mind, so I thought we'll go back to a little early Go-Go's to get things rolling here on The Brian Oak Show. Well, it's not the only deal, but it's part of the deal. I believe there are a great many of all-female bands or endeavors over the years, especially in the Boys Club of Rock and Roll, Mm -hmm. that are still to this day regarded as, and I hate to say it, but I don't think you can deny it, there's an element of novelty. People are like, well, that's cool. Look at all those ladies doing a nice thing for themselves. Isn't that cool? To which I say, fuck you. The, Goo- <laughs> the Go-Go's are, are about as good as... Bangles, same way. Yep. They were a definitive moment. And, and again, I'm only referencing ones that would then eventually sort of reach the pinnacle of pop success. These are bands that did it on their own, and guess what? It's not cute. It's not arty. It's not. Uh, it's not a, a weird little thing. Women who did it by themselves. I'm looking up right now at my multi platinum Spice Girls 
plaque on the wall right now. They may have had a little help, but they were also fucking rad. Speaking of fucking <laughs> rad, I would like to introduce our guest into the show right now because we've gone on too long. Ginny Dodds, hello, and how are you? Hey, Brian. Good. I'm perfectly fine today, I think. Okay, well, right. I mean, we're all kind of playing it day by day, right? Is that what you meant there? That's right. Yeah, I mean, and we're doing our best. We're in a world at war, and we're in a world that is slowly, hopefully, knock on wood, hopeful, fingers crossed, coming out of a really, really weird two years. For the people who don't know, I mean, you are a musician. You are a person who has been a part of this scene in this town for a very long time. So for the people who Jenny Dawes is not a household name to, can we Which is everyone. And that's okay, settle down. That's not true, and you know it's not true. Let's go back a little bit. Where are you from? I'm from Matamidai. Can you pronounce that? I can. Yeah. Matamidai. Yeah. I can even spell it. M-A-H-T-O-M-E-D-I. Now, there's another H in there. There's two H's in Matamidai, isn't there? Uh, no. Oh, here we go. No. So- M-A-H-T-O-M-E-D-I. Yeah. Okay. And well, uh, it's even featured in a Health Partners commercial you on don't TV say. these days with... Uh, Someone impressed of the good customer service from Health Partners and that the Health health Partners rep knew how to pronounce it. It's weird. So, it's weird that like when we grew up in some place that's not Minneapolis or East St. Paul, we take a certain amount of pride, no matter how we felt that growing up there, like, oh, hey, Mount Amida, that's my spot. I grew up in Coon Rapids. You know what? Health Partners nor anyone else ever references Coon Rapids. Yeah. Um, They're I, off the list. I think it's a, an American Indian name, like many cities in, mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Matamita. Start with M-A-H, Manoman, and yeah, other yeah. ones. Is All it right. east side of White Bear Lake? Is that where? Uh, it is on the other side of White Bear Lake yep. from White Bear. So what was your life like early on? And I'm not asking for anything too deep. I don't go TMZ. Yeah. I'm not looking for the weird stuff. But your life growing up in Matamita relatively decent upbringing and life? I mean, were you all right with it, or were you just dying to get out the second you could? Uh, Well, when I was young, it was ideal. Yeah. um, I mean, you're on the lake, right? I mean, you're uh, close to the lake. A couple blocks from it, and we Which is still great. You get to go to the lake. Of course. Cheap entertainment, you know? But also, I mean, like, there's something... Someone asked me the other day, what's the single thing... Not the other day. This was probably months ago. But they're like, what is the number one thing... That reminds you of your youth. And to me, I said, smelling like lake water. Like mm-hmm. smelling mm-hmm. like lake water is a really, really huge part of who and what we are in Minnesota. Yes. We spent all our time there. And in fact, that's where I want my ashes scattered when when I die. White Bear Lake. I have that in my uh, will. Has the water come back up on White yes, Bear Lake? Yes, it has. Okay, because yeah. I know that, like, you know, because doing oak on the water and just being aware, the water went down, like, 10 feet like i mean you could walk out hundreds of feet in certain areas that you could have never done that before but the water has come back up that's right yeah i remember that the big beach was closed the ramsey county beach yeah yeah. it's back to normal now well let's get to the part where it 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 enters you being involved in music you're growing up i don't again i'm not looking for anything weird or personal but at some point you fell in love with music otherwise you don't stay this music adjacent and deeply involved in music your entire life do you remember when music became really important to you around the house my, yeah. Both my parents liked it. And like record collections, d- cranking yeah, up the radio, dad, or people uh, playing the mandolin, or the... Both you know. sang in choirs, and dad sang for weddings, and... Right. Um, I mean, so like professional musicians? Um, No, no, no. They just love music. Right, and, okay. And we took piano lessons and all that. My mom played the piano, my grandma did. Did you enjoy piano yeah. lessons? Because piano lessons, to me, are a very interesting point with all the musicians I've met over the years. Some begrudgingly did it like there was a gun to their head and others took to it like like you know gas to a flame right like i mean like how did you feel about piano lessons early i liked them because uh my teacher was a family friend in it he wasn't too strict or anything and we could learn popular music but oh that's uh, that's a big deal yeah when i was gonna go to college at the u i I was gonna major in music and then i saw you really had to master the classical music part of that and i thought nope well, and music theory is almost like taking an advanced physics class, yeah. right? Like yeah. I, the, the people that I know who are really deep into music, you know, I mean, like you and I, we both know my wife, right? I know her, right? <laughs> I love my Colleen. Yeah, so do I. And But she, she also, I mean, like she is a music head and so many of her friends who went to St. Olaf and whatever, 
they all know music theory. And to me, like, I like a good jam. I like a great song. I love a good live show. I like a great record. But when it comes to, pardon me, breaking down the actual science and physics and weirdness of what we're what we're experiencing right now, because that is a part of it, whether you know it or not. Music theory is is this it's it's the reason I didn't go into astronomy. Astronomy is what I really wanted to do. And when I found out that you spent 98 percent of your time doing the hardest math that's ever existed, (laughs) I was like, fuck that. I'll just look at the stars at night. I'm cool. (laughs) I'm going to go listen to rock records. But somehow you still stayed with music. At what point do you decide, you know, not only do I like music, but I'm going to bring my music to people. I am good enough at this that I'm going to make music, whether it's covers, whether it's originals. At what point do you decide, you know what, I'm going to make this a huge part of who I am? Well, right out of high school, I was in a cover band, a short-lived cover band. What were they called? Windfall. Oh, see, that's perfect. Yeah. I ask everybody that, and they're that's always so bad. Em- I don't mind windfall. No, they're always so embarrassed. Yeah, but I'm like this. This is the point where you, your life is beginning to change, and so even if you look back at it like embarrassing baby pictures, windfall is the perfect name for a cover band when you're just getting out of high school. Right. And uh, I was at that time pretty influenced by uh, Christy McVie of Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest I, uh, of all time, by the way. And I played keyboards at that time. Of course. And, uh, and so we, did you do covers of Fleetwood Mac? We did Mac? some Fleetwood Mac and Traffic and stuff like that. Yeah. But it wasn't a very long-lived band, but they were a little older But guys, you, lo- you loved but, it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so were you, the, then, were you the only woman in the band? Yeah. And so, but they needed you then to be able to play those songs. Right. And sing them. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I really like Christy McVie. I think she was an early influence. But um, yeah. And then over the years, I would jam with other people. And then I I don't think I really played in another band out till much later, like the late 90s. Can, can I ask without yeah. again? I'm not. I'm not trying to dig. I, I never ever on this show try to dig into people's personal lives, but we've all had to do things for a living that maybe wouldn't have been our first choice until our dream comes back around again. What kind of things were you occupying your time with as your day job in those days until the music came back around? Um, I always did music part time, but uh, I loved my day job. I worked for the Office of Higher Education for the state. Right on. For almost 35 years. And wow. I, and what does that mean exactly? Um, well, I managed the, um, a lot of the college financial aid programs right. for, uh, funded through Minnesota. Yeah. So, um, But like, I mean, you're helping people, what, yeah. in doing that, you're helping people achieve things they might otherwise have never had an opportunity at. And me too. I got a state grant when I went to college. Right. And when I finished college, it totally changed my life. So... It was cool that I could work there and like the state grant program helps like probably 150,000 students a year That's help fabulous. pay for college. When you went to college, so yeah. you, like you said, it changed your life and that experience, I mean, that's sort of an area where everyone's life changing. But like you said about your early piano teacher or when you go to college, there are a handful of educators that we will all experience throughout the course of our lives or hopefully we're lucky enough to that literally change the direction. Like they make you care or they make you feel like what you're doing is worthwhile. What were you studying when you went to school? Uh, political science. Really? And uh, not music, as I said. Well, I understand. <laughs> but I mean, like, so you decided to go into political science. Yeah. Were you hoping to be an ambassador? Were you hoping nope. to be a reporter? What were you I hoping to do? I just pretty much wanted to work in the public sector. Right. And uh, that was a good major where you had to write a lot. And, um, and I... Th- it's always been very interesting to me, public policy and... Oh, it's fascinating, but to me, yeah. it's confounding. And so yeah. I'm glad there are smarter people than me like you who know what the hell they're doing and also like writing because I hated writing. Before we go any further, um, I hate to go too long into a show without hearing a song. So we're the first song of yours we're going to hear is called Sweet Christine. It's not about Christine McVie, is it? No, it's about my older sister. Oh, very Chris, good. Chris, who uh, was eight years older, so... I learned a lot about music from her by going into her bedroom and listening to the animals and 
uh, the wow. Stones and all the British invasion bands. Think about that, though. Yeah. Like, growing up, so I was the oldest child in my family, but I had so many friends who had older siblings up in the northern suburbs, and we would go down and sneak when their, when their uh, siblings weren't around. We'd sneak down into their areas, their basement, right? And there's weird little Miller Lite flicker bulbs and, <laughs> you know, melted candles and roadkill skulls and incense burnt, and then you'd flip through these records, you know, sticks, equinox or whatever the case may be and it felt like you were you were like I don't know in Harry Potter or something you were in like the forbidden arcane section of what music meant right you learned so much from these older people yeah oh I was invited in oh well, I didn't lucky have to you. sneak she was a great sister lucky. so we hung out in her room a lot and maybe even had a cigarette once in a while. <laughs> Look, I'm not looking for any kind of deep confession here, nor do I want to have to call the uh, you know, the legal team in on any of this. So this song is about your sister? That's right. Her, huh? mo- her kind of morphing from the mod 60s girl to a hippie wearing an army jacket. When you play the
I love that song. Jay, Fantastic. that was great. It was it was atmospheric. Oh, so it was good. nostalgic. It had a rock and roll vibe Loved to it, it, and it evoked, I think, everything you were hoping to evoke. Which not every song does, right? You sit down to write a song, and you sit down hoping to evoke a memory or or an attitude or an era or a feeling. Not every song succeeds. That was wonderful. It has kind of a country feel to it, but she really wasn't into that kind of music at all. Yeah, well. But- too bad. I've she always gets what kind she of gets. been influenced by that. But, but it yeah, shows this yeah. love for your sister, yeah. too, and it's just so cool and that she let you into her life. Yeah. Which not all older siblings do. Oh, yeah. She was great. We lost her uh, oh. to suicide in 1982 when oh. she was just 30. She oh, no. suffered from depression mm. and just didn't find the right therapist. Yeah. yeah. Found no, a way no, to combination of medication yeah. that some people can conquer it, but. Yeah. You found a way to honor her legacy yeah. forever with that song. Right. Just terrific. Just terrific. Jenny Dodds is our guest right now on the Brian Oak Show. And before we continue our conversation with her and move sort of a little closer to the modern era, as today's young people call it. Just kidding. No one calls it that. <laughs> We're going to check in with Sean Bernard, who is not only my friend, my colleague, the producer of this show. He's also a sponsor of this show through his work with Edina Realty at the 50th and France location. So here's a weird thing, right? Like, I mean, we've always known back in the day, like especially national touring acts are like, we're not going to the fucking upper Midwest in February or March. That's not going to happen. It would get very quiet. And then about, well, about the same time, the bottom fell out of the music industry. Everyone's like, oh, shit, touring is the only way we're going to make any money. All of a sudden, there were bands here in December. They were here in January. Yeah. They were here in February. And maybe not in the exact same way. Maybe it's not perfectly analogous. But you have been busier in February than any February prior, correct? That's absolutely right. I don't. I can't totally explain it, except for maybe people wanted to beat the market okay. a little bit and kind of knowing that things might be a little unsettled around the world. And people also started hearing and seeing in the media that the interest rates were going up. But dun, 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 dun. as I've said to people, I'm like, dun, 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 dun. but they're still at like 4.125. And it's not like the 6.8 that I paid in 1996. The woman who sold us our house yeah. back in 1998, she's like, when I was young, when I first got into this, the interest rate was over 20%. Well, and we still sold homes. And you're not paying on the principal for years. Years and years and years. Right, exactly. So although interest rates are going up and everyone wants the best deal they can possibly get, especially if they like buying crypto, but we're not talking about crypto. We're no. talking about homes. It's still a decent time to buy and or sell. It is. And it's funny that I just sold a place the other day and we got it at asking price. Um, uh, there's a little trick that I learned and that kind of helped us. Uh, it's totally legal, totally above board. Does it involve a baseball bat? I a mean, little bit. Okay. So uh, the Irish Jesus. Mafia, I don't know if you're familiar. No, yeah, I am. And I, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. Like You but, saw Miller's Crossing, didn't you? I did. God, that's a good movie. It's a fantastic what's, movie. Brian, what's the rumpus? But just tell me, tell me that's not the way you conduct no, business. No, never, never. But... Mm. Uh, I have yeah. questions now. I found have a, a lot of questions. Found a right great now. Uh, place for my crazy friend Matt, and he's so excited. It's over in Northeast Minneapolis, and we found him a great home. Uh, and he's in bands and stuff, and trying to do some music. And he's like, "I'm tired of the studio thing. I just want to have a basement where I can bring people over." And who knows how the world will change. So every place we looked at, he go, "Let's go right to the basement," because he wanted to make sure it was the type of room where he could change it or. Do what he needed to do to fix what it up. What did he need to do down there? I well, mean, just why was kind the of basic so soundproofing and then also ceiling height that, got it. you know, he's 6'2", right. and he's yeah. like, I got to have the right kind of basement where I can fit drums, I can fit... I've been in plenty of city basements yes. where even I have to duck, and yes. I'm only 5'11". Yes, that's exactly it. And so, so like a 6'2 yeah, guy is like, yeah. nope, this is never going to work. Yeah, there were right. some of the, the ceilings, like he's looking at me, and it's like yeah. up to his eyebrows. He's like, no, this this one won't work. We can but, go now. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are if you know somebody who's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And this year, I'm doing what I did last year. We're donating a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician or band uh, we just donated to a band called Bad Posture Club and then also to the Flamin' O's. Wow. So pretty cool. That, I think uh, that every one of us in this room is a Robert Wilkinson and company fan. Yeah. And, but you're telling me that if someone said, no, it's Ginny Dodds, it's the Dahlias. I'm, For sure. I, I, am, I want them mm-hmm. to get whatever largesse 
Whatever you can scrape off the top there, Roman Senator, you let us know, and they wanted to give it to her, that would be okay. Well, what's cool is that most people have a favorite local artist or band, but I run into people, and I'm guessing my friends' parents who are 80 and 84 may not have a local band that are still living. They're like, they want to what about to? Sherwin Linton? Can we give this money to Sherwin <laughs> exactly. Linton? Exactly. Lawrence Welk. Is he still... No, he wasn't local. Oh, he wasn't? No. I thought he was... North... Wasn't he from North Dakota or yeah, something? That's not really local, is it? Well... <laughs> Amen. Amen or Okay. But anyway, not let's try to not make this a three and a half, four minute commercial. But um and that's my fault totally. But yeah, uh, but is. the but the cool thing is like I can I give people lists. So I'm like, oh, here's a list of local bands and oh, by the way, they've all been on the Brian Oak show. Um, oh. so I give them that list and I say, Let's pick one from here. So they'll say things like, Yeah, we want an I want an all female band. I want you know, this is what I'm looking for. So Ooh, then I the help Black them. Widows. Yeah, see? Yeah, anything. Yep. What's the number? 612-859-2594. So, Jenny, you are in Matamidi. You are making music. You start making music. You're like, I'm going to make music while you're still doing that day job that you're talking about. At what point does it start to gel for you here in the Twin Cities? At what point is it like, I guess what, the question I'm, I'm really trying to ask is, when you have a day job you love, and I don't think there's any crime in that because I've had it for many years, but then you also have this creative outlet that you really want to make happen, and you feel it, and other people are feeling it too, but then you're like, shit, I can't do a gig that goes until one thirty in the morning because I have to be at work at 8.30 tomorrow morning. I mean, like, at what point does that start to become a thing in your life? Well, there was a time where I wasn't doing the gigs and uh, living vicariously through others. My first boyfriend, uh, Mark Fries was an excellent songwriter and in a band at the time called Dame Mm -hmm. in the Twin Cities, and they were kind of new wave-ish. And I really always loved his songwriting and probably learned a lot from him. But um, after we broke up in the mid-'90s, I started doing more music again, and I switched from keyboard to guitar because it's easier to... Transport yeah. <laughs> much easier, but had you played guitar before, or was this a uh, brand new endeavor? No, I I started in the thirties, uh, in my thirties playing. In your thirties, not yeah. the nineteen thirties. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Just when you said you started in the thirties, I was like, let's not give people the wrong impression. It was very popular in the speakeasies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Little vocal jazz, the Boswell sisters. You know, it was very popular. And so in your thirties, that's when you first picked up the guitar. Right. Really? And I took lessons and everything, right. but I finally learned you just got to learn on your own and do it right listen to records and well, it's putting play. in the time yeah. right like i feel like yeah. no matter what you do for a profession no matter what you do for a living and uh, the arts probably more so than anything else but i can't remember who came up with that thing that once you put ten thousand hours oh, into Malcolm something, gladwell is that who said Outliers. that yeah, it, when you put ten thousand i mean and i don't think you have to put quite that many hours into it but you have to put the time in right mm-hmm. like you can't just be like oh i know a couple of tunes let's go do a mm-hmm. gig right i mean like you right. put real time like in. i never wanted to be a lead guitar player i know very well that's not a natural talent of mine right and there's a bazillion people who do it well and I would just employ them in the band. Well, self, <laughs> self-awareness, self also another one of those really crucial yeah. <laughs> things in life. Like, there are things that I like to do that I know I'm not good at, which is why I've not pursued them. Even right. at, at least not when anyone else is looking. <laughs> I knew that I, I basically wanted to play to write on guitar and, and to have it mm-hmm. with on me when I sang. I didn't want to just be a singer. So in those uh, years when you weren't doing it, <clears throat> I mean, were you ever hungry for it? Did you ever miss it? A little bit. I I got enough of it through going to see other bands, and I, you know, in I worked at uh, booking agencies too long ago, Marsh Productions and GMA booking agencies. Mm. So met a lot of people that way too. So even though I wasn't playing, I don't. I wanted that stability, man. I didn't want to be poor and worry about money all the time trust me the reason that i got into corporate radio is like if i don't get a check coming in every two weeks i start freaking out right but i still love it but you said something very interesting there to me you want stability yet i think all three of us in this room right now you me and sean we want stability we want to be able to know the fact that we're going to be able to keep the lights on keep our families fed be able to have a roof over our heads but there's still something exceptionally seductive about surrounding yourself with those weirdos in rock and roll right <laughs> yeah. i mean i mean let's be honest and whether we're talking about the 1970s the 1980s or the 2020s i mean like 
I have never, ever, ever fallen out of love with being around people who say, I mean, that's the whole fucking point of this podcast, right? I like to be around people who are willing to live on the edge because their art means that much to them. I don't want them to be hungry. I don't want them to suffer. But even those of us who need a stable place to land, we're still attracted to that weirdness, right? I, I live with one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Well, you do, but I mean, like, but I'm, that, I mean, and we're talking about courtesy, yeah. of course. But yeah. um, I mean, but like, yes, what, I always what, what, had friends in music and quirky friends. I'm very yeah. open minded. Right? I'm not some square. I mean, I worked during the day, but it was public service. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was and helping also, people, not. Y- making corporate money yes your use of the term square has just made my week entirely better because i you know l7 exactly right i use that term constantly and people look at me like i'm referencing i don't know the secret life of dobie gillis or something (laughs) right i mean like they're like nobody says square anymore i'm like that's right square you got that exactly right but there there is an attraction there is an allure and for those of us who maybe weren't willing to go all the way down the waterfall of rock and roll and that unexpected lifestyle to still be close to it. Yeah. It, it, it it's it's unending. But you get to make music. You get to go out and do rock shows. You get to be part of that still to this day. Right. Tell me about the Dahlias. Where'd that come the from? The Dahlias, um well let's see, um I can say that I started serious doing serious songwriting in the late nineties and by some weird happenstance I found out about a songwriting course in England taught by ray davies oh of the kinks I, i'm wow. familiar and wow. it was a week out in the english countryside in an old manor with a straw roof and 14 of us um for a week lived there and wrote three songs a day and with uh, ray davies he was the teacher that's wow. right and he was a good teacher too as you I'll know bet. <laughs> but uh he um was very kind and, and how, how long did that go on? A week. Okay, so even taking yeah. a week off, be like, oh no, I'm actually heading to the English countryside to live in a small thatched roofed <laughs> right. home, and Ray Davies is going to teach us how to write proper songs. Right. That sounds mind bending. That it sounds was. amazing. It was the best thing in my life. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm, at, I'm still in touch with those people. Really? Yeah. And uh, it was really a bonding experience. And he's so. great, right? He's great. I mean, like, I mean, I, again, I, I know that sounds like a dumb question because he's already 30 years on from writing some of the most people talk about the British invasion. Right. And there are a lot of bands I like, but the kinks were singular. Now, I'm not saying they were the greatest of all of them, but there was no other band exactly like the kinks. And Dave Davies obviously had a part of that. But Ray Davies is the beating heart and soul of that incredible stream of music that still resonates to this day right and what i liked about him too is um i I like the sexiness of all day and all night go on you really got me but (laughs) yeah i mean that's raw fuzzed out guitar that anybody who's ever enjoyed real rock and roll you can't deny the sex appeal of that kind of music right but but really what i think with ray is just sort of unconventional subject matter right wasn't all love songs and oh no um hey rock and roll so which is uh, cool yeah but also it's nice when well it's one of the reasons i love david bowie david bowie would write songs about very unconventional things and sometimes a little weird sometimes a little overblown but ray davies i mean ray Davies it's weird, man, because like, I love a good riff, and I love a good song, and melodies always mattered to me, but weird lyrics, not even necessarily weird, that's not the right word, interesting lyrics, offbeat lyrics, real true storytelling in the form of a song format, I don't think there's anything better than that, and I right. don't know that anyone's ever done it better than the British. Yeah, he's, well, even Pete Townsend loves Ray Davies, he said he was the best English songwriter. Before we go any further, <laughs> it's time for another song by Jeannie Dodds and the Dahlias. This one's called A Little Forgiveness. Will you tell me about this song before we hear it? Um, yeah, this was on our album Good Medicine. And, and this is when I started playing with the Dahlias, who were all pretty much guys who had played with Curtis A, too. And that's how I met them. And they liked my music and played with me. And they play with me till this day. And I love them. But uh, they're all great, and this song is about forgiving yourself. You can probably tell I was raised Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) That makes three of us in this room. That makes three of us. So, yeah, it was uh, 
John Wright produced this album and the the third album of ours, and this is Hat features me playing harmonica from John Wright's bathtub. <laughs> Another excellent missive right there. Now, you just sort of threw out offhandedly, oh, when I played harmonica in the bathtub. Now, I know that rock and roll takes many weird forms, and when it comes to recording, people will try all sorts of different things. But, like, one does not magically learn how to play harmonica. What What was the first time you ever touched a harmonica? Oh, gosh, when did I try that? Maybe the same time as playing guitar because I was a big Neil Young fan, mm, right? Bob Dylan, oh. the yeah. band. 
And, Hard uh, not to be, right? Yeah. And uh, I just thought, you know, if you're going to play Neil stuff, you got to know how to play the harmonica. <laughs> Oh, and oh. I don't play it that well, but I play it enough to play Neil it Young songs. Which oh, to live on Sugar Mountain, I get it. Yeah. No, yeah. that's totally cool. It adds so, to it a ton. Too. Exactly. No, it's good flavor right there. So you've been making music for a long time. We're talking to Jimmy Dodds, um, and the Dahlias have been your band for quite some time. Here we are in the modern age, right? So I don't know how often you were gigging prior to the world completely closing down to a global pandemic. But it sort of changed the nature of everything, right? I mean, at least it did for a lot of musicians. Did COVID change the trajectory of what you were doing with your life and how you like to live it? Um, no, not musically, no. I I might be like the laziest band around because <laughs> I, I don't need the money and, and right? I... If I play, I like it, but if I don't, I don't really care. So I'm what, interested in other things, too, but <laughs> I, I can't say we're ever playing a whole lot as much as some bands do oh, well, every let me couple ask you this, months. But, but, but the creative part, yeah. right? Obviously, yeah. like I know that comes and goes for a lot yeah. of people, and I think for non-musicians, as we've talked about many times on this particular podcast, people would think like, oh, man, a year to sit around the house and just write your music and dig your thing and do your, your creativity – it's really been all over the map. Like a lot of people were like, nope, I didn't write one goddamn thing the entire time. Or other people were like, no, it led to the greatest creativity I've ever had. And so I guess I guess more than the playing out thing, what I was asking is, did you find that it was a boon to your creativity or that you just felt stultified or it didn't really change that much? It didn't really change that much. And my songwriting had kind of tapered off a little sadly and... um but I did write some songs during COVID, and they're not recorded yet. Um, because you haven't had a chance to yet? Right, or because um, you're like, they're not good enough? I'll probably... Oh, no, they're good enough. All right, I, okay. I, I get no challenge. I, I wasn't trying to get in there. I, I just was curious. I probably have enough to do another album if I wanted, but if I don't want to do a whole album, I'll do a single or something. But, hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was time to write, and I'm always observing, you know, just because mm-hmm. you're not writing it... Um, when you're, I think good writers are good observers. Oh, yeah. And I, um, I'm always taking in information. But. Well, which you have yeah. to do. I mean, yeah. like that. I mean, I think good sculptors are good observers, yeah. right? And yeah. good painters are good observers. Any artist has to pay attention to the world around them. You can also, I mean, you can create fiction, but there's, I don't think there's even the greatest acts of fiction don't have some autobiography to them, right? right I mean, right. there's always going to be part of your life in something you write, even if it's not necessarily about something you did last Wednesday. That's right. That's totally right. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I can't say it made that big of a difference. I miss going out to see bands. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Same. I and, think we absolutely. all feel the same. So speaking of, then, where are we at right now? Like, I know you have some gigs coming up, right? Um, and I just, where do things stand right now for fans of Ginny Dodds and the Dahlias? Is there new music on the way? Are there shows that if they should so feel so inclined, they can come out to see? Well, our, we're going to play next Thursday night at the Ice House, opening nice. for John Magnuson Trio. Mm-hmm. And, um, and John's fantastic. Yes, I like him. I... I've really liked his songs and and his rhythm guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Are there He's still phenomenal. tickets available for that show? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I, need to, I need to get over um, that. Well, look at that. I happen to be on the internet right now, and I'm looking at a picture that says the Dahlias and I are excited to be opening for John Magnuson at the Ice House. Join one of the songwriters and performers I admire here in the Twin Cities. This will be a great show. It's coming up Thursday, March 10th, which we're recording this on the 3rd. So that's one week from tonight. Yeah, that's one week from tonight, and then... As you know, I am in a Linda Ronstead tribute band. Mm-hmm. Which band is that? Delinda's. Yes. And with your lovely wife, Colleen. Yes, my wife Edie is also Baumgart, in that band. And Edie. Becky Capel. Yeah, we had Becky on the show. Myself, Mary Stone, Brenda Shepard. Um, so um, Ellen Rice. Forgot the drummer's name. Rod, Ron. Rob, he's, here's he's what great. we do in Rob, those situations. Rob, we go, Rob, Rob. is going to be joining us. Um, he's great. And, and, and uh, he's amazing. And I, when it comes to an artist like Linda Ronstadt, so I, as a lifelong music fan, I've never been able to create music on my own. I don't have the diligence. I don't have the patience. I don't have the whatever it is that you Talent? magician. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> whatever it is you magicians have. But yes, that okay, fine. There it is. 
fine. I just wanted to say it as long up. as we're all happy now. <laughs> all right. Um, but you listen to certain artists, right? Like yesterday was Karen Carpenter's birthday and Karen oh, Carpenter, whether or not you love her music, one of the purest voices mm-hmm. and one of the greatest talents in American music in the last 50 years. Linda Ronstadt, to me, is the same way. She was the, despite the presence of other incredible voices there, in my humble opinion, the definitive voice of the first half and maybe even the second half of the 70s of West Coast popular music. Yeah. I just, I, Even though primarily what she did was cover songs, virtually everything she did was yeah. a cover song, it doesn't, it doesn't detract anything from it. Linda Ronstadt... I guess, and also growing up in my house when I was a small kid, my dad, Linda Ronstadt, was in heavy rotation to use radio parlance. We heard Linda Ronstadt all the time. I'm a huge fan. And so when my wife came home, she's like, I think I'm going to be part of this Linda Ronstadt collective that's going on. I'm like, great. And then she told me everyone who was involved, I was not able to make it to the gig last week, but there will be more gigs to come. Yeah, yeah we played at the Driftwood and... Uh People really seem to like it. And yeah. I was told they had to turn people away at the door. Wow. What does that feel That's like? People are suckers for harmony. Mm-hmm. Well, I they mean, but I am too, like live. Like I recently saw Cactus Blossoms live oh. and yeah. almost anybody, when you've got the time to mess around with in the studio can pull off good harmonies, right? Maybe even three, four, five part harmonies, but doing it live. Yep. There's nothing like it, right? And when you hear that perfect blend, I think of the times I've seen, and people may laugh or chuckle, the Indigo Girls, the Civil Wars. There are certain bands I've seen do harmonies live. You're transfixed. Yeah. You you don't get a choice whether or not you like it. It grabs that small little lizard part mm. of your cortex and makes you pay attention. And so this would be the perfect kind of band for that as well. And you know, as you know, we have Colleen Martin Oak in in this group who is a choir director she is in fact and helps on the harmonies well i mean <laughs> one thing i do know about colleen martin oak <laughs> is that there is never any shortage of suggestions <clears throat> before we say goodbye <laughs> before we say goodbye to jenny dodds um i do nice. want to thank sean bernard i do want to thank, thank smart start mn uh, i do want to thank audioquip.com who can provide you with the kind of equipment that we have here in this studio to give us such a nice pro sound they help us out so much and they've helped us out for over two years now if you're getting back out there if you're doing a gig giving a ted talk need any kind of recording or you know a production equipment you need a pa please get a hold of audio quip nate and his crew are among the very best i've ever met and as sean and i promised long ago we're not working with assholes. Nope. And they are the opposite of assholes. They are. So, uh, by the way, <laughs> my mom slogan. recently, <laughs> my mom recently got back into town. Uh, she and my dad always go to Arizona for January, yeah. uh, Oregon for February, then they come back. So they're not total snowbirds. But my mom was like, "We were listening to your podcast on the way home with Becky Capel." few too many F-words for your mother, but otherwise sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nice. Sorry yeah. Mom. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, just, you know, I mean, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Uh, but thanks to everybody who's ever listened. Thanks to all of our Patreon members. Thanks to everyone who's ever shared, listened, amplified, subscribed, whatever. We really enjoy doing this show, and it's a great opportunity to get to know the musicians that inform this community, and not just musicians, entrepreneurs, religious figures, whoever. We live in an incredible place in the United States of America and it's really really fun to be able to get to know them better to hear their stories and to hear the music or the things that they create or the things that they love up to and including one Jenny Dodds who joins us today before we say goodbye Jenny where do people go if they would like to stay on top of what you do if they would like to know well when is the next thing happening or where can I go see Delinda's or hear the Dahlia's or whatever do you have a ground zero online for people to find your yeah. stuff I have a Jenny Dodds and the Dahlias uh, Facebook page right, where we perfect. post all our gigs and send out uh, invites and stuff like that. And, and all for the, the uninitiated, Jenny is spelled G-I-N-I. And do you know why that is? As a teenager, I love Jimi Hendrix, so oh. I changed the spelling of my name to G-I-N-I. Look at that. Were you a Virginia? I am a Virginia, okay. but I used to spell it G-I-N-N-Y yeah. until Jimi Hendrix. So. Nice. But, I mean, like, but, let's be honest, though. If you're going to change your name based on anybody, there might not be anybody who's ever done more true rock and roll. And when you think about the essence of rock and roll, like when you think about how you're channeling something from a nether region, right? Like, not the nether region, but you know got, what I mean. We got it. A nether region. Um, 
I mean, Hendrix is about as real as rock and roll gets. That's right. Terrifying. Yeah. And brilliant. I know. I agree. Mm. Hence the name change. Okay, well, nice. well done, Ginny Dodds and the Dahlias. People can find you online. We can find you around Band town. Bandcamp yep. has all the stuff for sale. All right. right. Well, and see, we like to see artists get paid, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So, like, if people go there and actually buy your stuff instead of just streaming it, you'll actually make a little money off That's that. That's right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with musicians getting paid for the work that they create. Yes. That's right. Not in my humble opinion. We are going to say goodbye right now, but first I want to say thank you very much for thank coming you. by. Thank you. It was Thanks, a blast. Jay. I love you guys. Well, I love you. Right. Too, and you're welcome back anytime. And should you find some bizarre, wonderful, fulfilling, enlightening project coming down the pipe at some point in your not too distant future, please reach out. We'd love to have you back. Will do. All right. Now we're going to hear one last song before we go. And this was another one by Jenny Dodds and the Dahlias called Spare Change. Tell me about this song as we wrap up the episode. This one was written because uh, a, a young guy uh, killed himself by jumping off the parking ramp Mm. at the mall of america wow this was some years ago and a young guy and they couldn't identify him yeah but they knew he was a veteran Mm. due to something on his coat so anyway having lost a sister to suicide yeah um i felt bad that no one would be at the funeral so i went and there was just a few old vets there Mm. and the priest and you know got buried in the paupers section of the cemetery and they finally did figure out who it was um, he never had an idea on him, but then I heard from his parents and mm. it was uh, a sad story. He was very young, but anyway, all he had in his pocket was spare change lighter and a pocket knife. No ID. <laughs> wow. Just
Let it 